um, as a tag, I'm going to come to it later, have Isaiah chapter 6. Matthew chapter 5 and Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1 of Matthew 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's enough. You may be seated. Tap yourself and say it with me, please. I feel better. I was struggling for a minute, but I feel better. Father, if you would now please let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, God. You are my strength and my redeemer. Let all of God's people say amen. So as a quick review... Uh, this year, we are in uh, the book of Matthew to start. Our theme for the year is kingdom over culture. Our scripture reference is Matthew 6, verse 33. Now, that's the NIV version which says, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But when I learned it, I learned it under the new King James sound a little bit better but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you so again this is what Jesus is saying we are not to seek the things in the culture we are to seek his kingdom first and when we seek his kingdom first everything that we have been praying for in the natural he will take care of now, let me remind you, he takes care of needs, not always wants. He will always provide what you need, but you may not always get what you want. Let me be clear about that. You can want a million dollars, but he's going to make sure you got food to eat. So again, when we seek his kingdom, and his righteousness, being in the right standing with God, he's going to supply, this is why Paul said he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, as a review again, the question becomes, what is kingdom? Well, kingdom, the, the, the Greek word of kingdom is basilia, and it literally means any area that is ruled or operated by a king. And as I've said before, the reason why some of us wrestle with this concept is because we don't live in a monarchy. A monarchy is where a king rules. We live in a democracy, which is where the people vote. But in a kingdom, when the king speaks and when the king decrees and when the king takes action, that is it. God has called us to seek his kingdom. Where when he speaks, that's it. Where when he moves, that's it. Where when he acts, that's it. That's what he is calling us to do. Then there's culture. So we're saying kingdom over culture. So what is culture? Culture is the behaviors, the attitudes, and norms of a particular group. And a group can be a family unit. A group can be a workplace environment. A group can be a school. A group can be a church. Every place where there is a group of people, in, they end up developing norms. What is acceptable behavior? What is not acceptable? What can people do or not? And what is acceptable or not is called culture. The reason why we're saying kingdom over culture is because there is an acceptable form of behavior in the world that is contrary to the kingdom. We live in a culture where the behaviors, the norms, and the values that is accepted by the world is contrary to the teachings of scripture. And if we're not careful, we'll bring those norms and values into the house of God. And God said, no, sir, not here. No, ma'am, not here. Because kingdom should take place over culture. Now, having said that, we're in Matthew chapter 5. 
So in Matthew chapter 5, we see where Jesus begins what is called the Sermon on the Mount. This Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most extensive place where we see in the Bible of Jesus speaking about kingdom. What is the attitude? What is the mindset? How should believers who claim to be saved, how should they operate in the kingdom? He takes three chapters. Matthew records three chapters of Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And the first section of this sermon, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, Jesus starts off his sermon with what is called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are statements about kingdom blessings. The word Beatitudes is Latin for supreme blessings. And I believe that when most people come to church, what most people want when they come to church is to get blessed. So Jesus is saying, if you want to get blessed, if you really want to be supremely blessed, then here it is. Because that's why most of us come. So the Bible tells us in Matthew 5 and verse 1 that Jesus saw the crowds after he healed the sick and he sat down with his disciples and he began to teach. And the first beatitude is what we covered a couple of weeks ago was blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Poor in spirit or poverty means that there is a lack. There's something that is a deficit. There's something that is missing in my life. Spirit here is lowercase s, which means humanity. What Jesus is saying is, blessed are the people, supremely blessed are the people who understand that there's a call on your life from God that you can't do by yourself. Blessed are those who understand that there are going to be some things that come your way in life and you ain't going to be smart enough, you ain't going to have enough money, you ain't going to have background, your job, your future, none of that can help you fix it. Blessed are the ones who understand that in order to receive your purpose and understand how God has wired you and gifted you, you ain't going to get that from the world. Blessed are those who understand that when you come to me, because you can't get help nowhere else, that when you trust me first, when you are lacking in your soul and you realize I ain't big enough, I ain't smart enough, I ain't got enough in me, I got to trust God for it all. He said, that's when you're poor in spirit. But sometimes for us, we think that we got to do it all on our own. So what God does is that he says, okay, since you think you can do it all on your own, how are you going to deal with this trial? And how are you going to deal with that trial? And you spend nights all up trying to figure out how I'm going to pay this bill. And you're going to spend nights wondering how's my loved one going to get healed. And you're going to spend nights trying to figure out what you're going to do. And God said, if you just be poor in spirit, if you just get to the place where you realize you can't do it without me, because I made you that way. I made you with a deficit because I made you because I knew that you were going to try to do it by yourself. And I'm tired of having sleepless nights. Tired of my pressure being up. Tired of losing my hair. Tired of always going through stuff. I want to get to the place where I say, God, you take this. And I wonder, do I have anybody else that you have spent so much time trying to figure it out for yourself that Jesus comes out the gate and says, blessed are the people who understand I ain't as big and bad as I think I am. And what does he promise when you get to that place? He said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the reason why many of us don't shout over that is because we don't understand what the kingdom of heaven is. So watch this. The kingdom of heaven is you get access back to the spirit realm. Ooh, let me see if this makes sense. See, we're on the earth. He didn't promise you the earth for realizing that you needed help. He promised you access back to the spirit. He promised you what Adam and Eve lost in the garden when they lost access back to God. And do you realize that when God chooses to bless you, do you realize that all of your blessings are in spirit? 
Come here, Paul. Ephesians 1, blessed be God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is Ephesians 1 and 3. You need to know it. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What Paul opens up and tells the Ephesians is that your blessings, your greatest blessings ain't in your wallet. Your greatest possessions ain't your shoes, baby. Your greatest possessions ain't what you got. Oh, your greatest possessions are in Christ. And in Christ is the spirit realm. And when I get to the place where I realize I can't do it by myself, I need help, I got to trust in somebody bigger than myself, then God gives me access. Then he opens up the spirit realm. Then the heavens and the angels start coming in. Then he starts moving in ways that I can't even imagine. Then he sends people my way. Then he opens opens doors that I can't even open on my own. Why? Because I got access to the Spirit. So if you want to be blessed, Jesus is saying out the gate, if you want to be supremely blessed, stop acting like you can do it by yourself. Because you can't. Stop always coming up in here acting like you always got it together. Because you don't. Stop pretending like when somebody asks you how you do. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you know you're struggling. We're the real saints that say, I came up in here today because I need help. And if Jesus don't help me, I'm about to lose my mind. I'm about to catch a charge. I'm about to do something if God don't step in. Uh-huh. This is why Reverend E, he says in Isaiah 26, he will keep you in perfect peace. Watch this. Who's mine? When your mind is on the kingdom, when your mind is on spirit things, when your mind is not on this world, he gives you what you need. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because when you get to the place where you realize I'm lacking, I'm deficient. And I stop fronting, acting like I'm always cool and got it all together. Then you get access to the spirit realm. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I need help. And you ain't got to look at them, just say it, and you do too. <laughs> you done told me your story, I already know you need help. That's the first one out the gate, Jesus. So then the second one, which builds on the first one, is Matthew 5 and 4. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I got to tell y'all, these first two Beatitudes are what I consider to be a paradox, which means a paradox is when you have two things in the same space that don't seem like they should go together. Jesus comes out the box saying, blessed and supremely happy. That's what he's saying. Happy are those, fortunate are those who are poor. I ain't never heard nobody say I'm happy because I'm poor. I ain't never heard nobody come in church and testimony service. Praise God because I'm broke. And then the next one, he says, happy, supremely happy, and fortunate are the people who mourn. Mourn means to grieve. Mourn means there's some, there's some pain there. Mourn means that there's a level of sadness. Why in the world is Jesus associating blessings with grieving? On the surface, it don't make sense. Well, let me help you. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, is my realization of who I am 
and what I'm capable of. I come to terms with myself that I need God. Because if I don't have God, I'm going to sin. The next one, blessed are they who mourn, is the response to my realization. You ready for this? That when I look at my life, and I see how many times I tried to do it without God. How many times I told God, I don't need you on this one, I got it. When I look at my life and see how many times I tried to do it on my own, only to mess it up. The response ought to be, I'm brokenhearted. It ought to break our hearts when sin is among us. But the reason why it doesn't is because culture accepts, tolerates, and even applauds sin. And I know y'all don't like to hear about sin. You want to hear about the grace of God, you're going to hear sin today. Because the response to sin ought to be causing us to break our hearts. When we see five black police officers that choose to beat down Another black man, knowing all that we go through in this country, knowing all of the issues with police brutality, knowing all of the things that we have been through only to see us do it to ourselves. It ought to break our heart. Because that means something is missing. Something is lacking. Not one could stand up and say, we ain't got to go this far. At what point did somebody not stop when they heard him call for his own mother? That ought to cause us to grieve. Because that's what sin does. Sin causes us not to see the value and the humanity and the worth in somebody. So I'm going to kick you so hard till I start limping. But here's the problem. The problem is, family, we have seen so much of it that we're numb to it. We're not mourning anymore. We're over it. So now, we don't even feel it no more. It don't even register with us no more because we see it so often. And this is the strategy of the enemy. To bombard you with so much sin that it don't even prick you no more. Do you realize that this year, already, there are more mass shootings this year than days of the year in our country? Every day, almost 100 people get shot and killed in our country. And our reaction now is, Lord have mercy. We got numb to it. What happens when a six-year-old thinks that they can solve their problems? By shooting their teacher. There is something lacking. And it's spiritual. And we got to call it like we see it. Sin wrecks stuff. 
Sin messes it up. Sin causes problems. And what we have done is we've seen so much of it, been so part of the culture, been exposed to so much sin, it don't even phase us no more. God said, Jesus said, blessed are the ones, happy are the ones where it still pricks you when you do it. And it pricks you when you're around others that do it. So I asked God, God, you know, I'm a visual person. God, I need your help on this one because I'm a visual person. I need you to show me. So uh, the Lord said, go here. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Turn to your Bible, please, to Isaiah chapter 6. This is a familiar story, but I want you to see how these two Beatitudes come together. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted. New King James, high and lifted up. <laughs> Seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. The Lord Almighty, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see that this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Let me tell you how these two beatitudes come together. It is when you first, watch this y'all, have an encounter with God. I ain't say nothing about going to church. I said when you have an encounter with God. That's when you start seeing stuff a little bit differently. Because there are people who have been in church all their life and ain't never seen God face to face. Ain't never had an encounter with God. Ain't never had God wake them up in the middle of the night. Ain't never had God shake them and speak to them in their spirits. So if you ain't never had that, you ain't going to understand this text. But if you have known that God has spoken to you and you know that you've had an encounter with God, if you know that God is real because he spoke to you in spaces and told you don't go there, don't do that, don't go to that place, something's going to happen and something's going to jump off. If you know that to be true, then you're about to understand what I'm about to say. So Isaiah is describing his encounter in the presence of God. He ain't describing church. He ain't describing the service. He describes what happened when he got into the presence of God. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I then saw the Lord. Let me help you right there. Sometimes for you to see God, some people got to be moved out the way. Because maybe you can't see God because you're still watching them. And sometimes God got to say, I got to move them out the way so you can see me. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, there was an earthly king. But the earthly king got to get out the way so I can show you the real king. That's where he is. Watch what he says. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, and he was seated on the throne. That's a king right there. Seated means I got everything in control. I ain't got to stand because I can declare anything that comes right out of my mouth. And he said that the train of the robe filled the whole temple. This is what Isaiah is describing. He's got God high, right? He's down here. God is up here. And there's a majesty about him. There's an honor about him. He's seated on the throne and he's highly exalted. But then verse 2 it says, above God there are seraphim. Now what are seraphim? Seraphim are angelic like creatures and the Bible says in verse number two that they had six wings not two but six now most of the time we get caught up in the number but watch this there's no number in the verse about how many 
angels there were. There could have been five. There could have been 5,000. There could have been 5 million. So let's just take 5,000. Can you imagine 5,000 angels that are above God with six wings? Two wings, they covered their faces because I'm not worthy enough to even see the presence of God. Two, they covered their feet, which means I'm ready to serve God whenever you call on me. Whatever you need for me to do, I'm ready to do it whenever you say. And with two, they did fly. I can't see them because I ain't worthy, but I'm ready to serve when you drop me and tell me what I need to do. And with two, I'm going to fly. And the Bible says in verse three that they started chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. And now can you imagine the scene? You got angels that are speaking over the glorious nature of our God. You got them speaking over the majesty of who God is that is sitting on the throne. And watch this verse 4 is what got me Reverend E. The Bible says that as the angels were speaking that the doorposts started shaking. And the whole temple was filled with smoke. Smoke denoting the presence of an almighty God. The real king is here. Isaiah is out the way, but the real king is here. Praise him. Didn't you just sing about the king of glory today? Yeah, that's what he is. He said, I saw the king. I saw the angels that were giving him glory. And I saw the doorpost shaking as they were speaking. And I see um, the smoke that is filling the temple. Now watch this. Y'all ready? Now Isaiah turns to himself. And instead of saying, my God, look at what I've seen. Isaiah looks and sees this. And the first thing he says, woe is me. Let me tell you why. Because most of the time, people, when comparing themselves, we like to find other people that we think we're better than. So what we'll say is, I'm, I know I got my stuff, but I ain't like Sister Sally over here. Brother be like, I know I got some issues, but Jojo, man, listen. And it's human nature that in order to feel good about ourselves, we will hunt and find people that we think are worse off than we are. And then we'll say, that's not me. But let me help you. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees compared themselves to other people. The Pharisees had the nerve to stand in the temple and pray, I thank God that I'm not like the sinner right next to me. Those are the ones that look at other people when you walk into the church and you're comparing yourself to see where you measure. And you walk out of here saying, well, at least I got a better car. At least I dress nicer. At least I got better education. At least I got all of this. And you have a false image and reality of who you are. Watch this. You can't be poor in spirit. And you can't mourn when you compare yourself to others because you always are going to find somebody that you think you're better than. It's only when you see yourself in the reflection of God. When you see his glory versus our humanity. When you see the angels declaring holy, holy, holy. When you see the smoke that's filled the room, when you see the doorpost that's been shaken, that's when you compare yourself to. And when Isaiah compared himself to the glory of God, he said, I'm ruined. Because I ain't nowhere near that. And that's the mentality that we need to have when we come in here. Not that God had to do anything, but when I compare myself to the king, I ain't nowhere near that. And you will never get to that place just coming to church. Because if you ain't never had no experience, 
If you ain't never seen the king for yourself, then guess what? You can't see yourself for who you really are. Verse 5, he says, after seeing the Lord, woe is me. That's poor in spirit. I am ruined. Now he's mourning. Why is he mourning? He says, because I am a man of unclean lips. I ain't think cussing was a problem until I got in his presence. Because as long as I'm cussing with my crew, it is all right. But once I got in his presence, I started to realize. Lord, what have I been saying? Watch this. And not only am I a man of unclean lips, but I'm hanging with everybody. That's got the same issue as me. I'm done. Man, I done messed up. Because when you study scripture, anybody that has entered into the presence of God and seen him in all of his glory, this is the reaction. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else because they broke and you got a little change. That ain't no comparison. Compare yourself to the one who made you. Woe is me. That's me. Can't speak for you. Maybe you'd have done it right all the time. But when I measure myself against God, woe is me. Lord have mercy. I done jacked it up so many times. Lord, I done said so many things wrong. Lord, I done done so many things wrong. <sighs> Lord have mercy. Isaiah became brokenhearted when he saw what sin was not only doing in his life, but what sin was doing in the people around him too. God, I'm, the train of the road, the doorpost shaking, the smoke, the millions of angels, God, I'm sorry. I'm undone. I'm ruined. Ain't no way you're going to accept me. Until you get to that place. You can't get to the last part of Matthew 5 and 4 where Jesus said, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So once Isaiah saw himself for who he really was, once he was mourning and brokenhearted and grieved over his sin because he was standing in the presence of God. Here's where it gets good, Reverend e. It was at that moment that one of the angels knew his heart, knew that he had finally gotten to the place where he had mourned got into the place where he recognized his sinful ways and not only his but for all those who he was around and the bible says that at that moment an angel went to the altar took the tongs off the altar grabbed one of the coals that was on the altar put it in his hand went over to Isaiah and put the coal on his lips and told Isaiah with this coal I done purged your sins that's the comfort the comfort is when we come to the place of understanding who we really are. God will remind us that I still love you.
And not only do I love you, but I forgive you. You ain't got to carry that guilt no more. You ain't got to carry the shame no more. You ain't got to care about your past no more because I done touched the very thing that you said that caused you sin. <laughs> and I don't know about y'all, but there's no greater feeling than to know that everything that I have done, God erased it. See, y'all like culture because y'all a shout off the car. I like kingdom because I'm going to shout over the fact I can't even count how many times I done messed up with God. I can't even count how many times I have offended God and yet God still loves me enough. He still cares about me enough. He still desires me enough to say I'm willing to wipe the slate clean. And let's try this again. <laughs> Blessed are they who mourn. Because when I finally realize what sin is doing in my life, when I finally realize what sin is doing in my family's life, in my friend's life, in the society's life, it is causing me to be broken hearted. And he promises, I'll bring you comfort. So guess what? Right after Reverend E, here's the best part. Right after the angel took the tongs and put it, took the coal and put it on Isaiah's mouth and said, see, I have forgiven you and your guilt is gone and your shame is gone and all of that's forgiven. You got a fresh start in verse 7. I didn't read to you to verse 8. In verse number 8, God comes back around and he says, whom shall I send? And who will go for me? Now that I done wiped you clean, now that I done given you a fresh start, now that I've given you a new mind, now that I've forgiven you of all your sins, who gonna stand up for me now and declare the goodness of the Lord? Who gonna stand up in a world that embraces sin and say, for God I live and for God I die? Who stand up and say for all the hell and the stuff that's out there in the world you ain't got to shoot nobody you ain't got to kill nobody you ain't got to rob nobody because there's worth and value in every person that lives and Isaiah without hesitation he said here my God here's your boy I feel better now. When I was in your presence at first, I felt defeated. I felt like I couldn't measure up. I felt like I couldn't do what you assigned for me to do. But when you touched my lips and you washed me clean, you asked me, who shall go for you? Send me, Lord. I'll go back to my family and tell them about the goodness of the Lord. I'll go on my job and be discreet, but tell them about the goodness of the Lord. I'll go into my community. I'll post it on social media, wherever it is. Because I feel better now. I was mourning because sin, y'all, would do a number on you. And sin is so crazy. That we'll just become numb to it. This is the strategy of the enemy, y'all. Overexposure. The first time you see it, we're shocked by it. But the more times you see it, you don't get the same reaction. What we're seeing in our culture is the enemy inundating and flooding our minds and our thoughts about sin. To the point where we say, it's not so bad. And it's all right. 
They ain't bothering nobody. It's all right. But God says we should be brokenhearted. First with me. Then with the people around me. You don't get to this realization by joining a church. You get to this realization by seeing God for yourself. If there's a wrestling in the room, this is not a call for salvation or membership. This is maybe I wasn't taking sin as seriously as I needed to. Maybe this is I've gotten numb to it and I need to get back to it breaking my heart again. Maybe this is I've been doing it for so long that it don't even matter no more. I want you to come forward. Come forward. I want to pray. If you got no reaction to sin, you need to come up here. If your reaction is, Lord, have mercy, and that's it, you need to come up here. If your reaction is, well, everybody else doing it. If your reaction is, it's no big deal. That's what the culture does. So I'm going to do it too. Notice in the first two Beatitudes, Jesus did not promise us anything materially. First two Beatitudes, he promised the kingdom and he promised comfort. He didn't promise you a job. He didn't promise you more money. He promised you access to God, the Father. And he promised that if you are willing to admit that sin has wreaked havoc in your life and it's breaking your heart, I'll help you. We got so many people in church that aren't even brokenhearted over their own stuff. You do all kinds of stuff and then come on Sunday and think that because you wave your hand that God's supposed to bless all the stuff. Because he's a forgiving God. So as soon as you leave, you're going to go back to doing some of the same stuff. And it ain't even going to prick you. You ain't even bothered by it. You're going to go back to that same house, doing the same things with the same people. Because your lips are unclean and so are theirs. And it don't even hurt anymore Father in the name of Jesus I thank you for this time I thank you for the honesty of these that are standing before me I want to intercede God is for this congregation because the enemy and the culture has done such a number on us we see so much sin every day. And in many cases, it doesn't even register anymore. We have no reaction to it. We're numb to it. And we've even gone so far now as to try to justify it. Because the culture accepts it. But you never accepted it. You never said that that's what's honoring you. And so God, for every time that we took culture over you, every time that we said sin was cool over you, 
for every time that it didn't break our hearts when we did it when our crew did it I intercede and say we're sorry how can we ask for blessings in your hand when we have no desire to follow your word but the blessing of this text is that you will comfort us when we come to the realizations that we need you, God. We need you in every space of our life because if you're not with us, God, we're going to go right back to sinning because it's in our nature to do so. Father, let us get back to taking sin seriously. Let us get back to where it hurts again. Let us get back to you flooding our mind before we even do it with you know you're not supposed to do that. Remind us of 1 Corinthians 10 where it says no temptation is common but you in the moment of temptation you will always provide a way of escape. thank you for this word today where you said those will be supremely blessed when our response to sin breaks our heart because you promise to comfort us hmm. you'll send the tongue and the coal for our lips so you can wipe us clean Lord, when we leave, as soon as we leave, we're going to be bombarded with sin again. It's waiting on us as soon as we say amen. Let us be conscious of it. Let us be mindful of it. And let us do our best not to break your heart by what we do again. Everybody stand. If you're watching online and you want to receive Christ, you can do so by texting the at sign Ivy Guest or join our church. Send that to 81010. For those in the room that desire to come to Christ, tired of how you've been living, tired of trying to figure it out on your own. He says, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have to do it on your own. You weren't built to do it on your own. That's what salvation is. He walks with you and in you to help you fulfill your purpose. If you desire that, or membership will be here after the service is over. Now, God, may your grace, your peace, and your power keep and sustain us all. In Jesus' name. Say it loud. I feel better. Love you. Have a great week, everybody. Women of Ivy, join us on site Monday, February 13th at 6 p.m. for our first fellowship of the year. It will be dinner, dialogue, and a movie. Email your RSVP to www.ivybaptistchurch.org by February 6th. Parents and youth, 
Free tutoring is available by appointment. Email christianed at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God, but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000. And all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're going to do it again this year. We want your support. Any donation of any amount that goes to Operation Bless the Community will go out into the communities that we serve to make our place better for everyone. We want everybody to win around here. So please, why don't you consider giving a donation to Operation Bless the Community? Any size, any amount, all of it will go toward blessing our community and helping those in need. We appreciate in advance your support. Join the Hampton Roads community for a prayer vigil at Liberty Live Church in Hampton on Sunday, February 5th at 2 p.m. Men, come out to a prostate cancer early detection event held on Saturday, February 11th from 9 to 12 here at Ivy. Call 1-800-520-7006 to register. Val Keepers is hosting a Valentine's Masquerade Ball on Saturday, February 18th from 6.30 to 9. Semi-formal event at Spring Hill Suites in Hampton. Early bird cost is $65 per couple until January 30th, $75 until February 12th. Limited space, so get your tickets now from our website and app. Calling all seniors 60 plus to a panel discussion on financial well-being throughout your retirement. Held Saturday, February 4th from 10 a.m. to noon. RSVP today after church service in the elevator area or by email to seniorministry at ivybaptistchurch.org. Save the date. Saturday, February 25th for our annual Black History Breakfast and Play. The theme this year is Making Black History, Taking It to the Streets. Tickets are $15 and will go on sale Sunday, February 5th, on-site and online. 